Welcome to another episode of Dumb Binge Binging. I'm Josh. And I'm Tegan. And we're uh, joined again by our, I guess, exclusive avatar guest, (laughs) (laughs) Marilyn. Um, Very excited to force you to watch Korra. (laughs) Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Our our resident avatar expert at this point. Um, I love that title. (laughs) I'm so glad. Um, So... I really like I want to get into this immediately um, because we're not really like a recommendation podcast, but we do kind of give our rankings um, either way. I want to know how long season one took y'all months. Yeah, literally like since we talked about the original series to like two weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) season one took me. A very long time and everything else was like three days <laughs> yeah okay good we just i feel like we need to get that out of the way um if anybody is at all tempted to watch Legend of cora and they have it and they listen to this i just want to make it known that it's not just you <laughs> exactly season one took so much <laughs> It took, yeah, it also took me over a month. Um, yeah, and which... in retrospect, I don't think season one's, it's not like bad. It's just such a, it's just not what I was expecting in any way. Mm. And there's just so much pacing issues with season one. There's a lot I have issue with with yeah. season one in particular. Um, I just like okay um, we spent a lot of time on characters for the last one I think we should just give a rundown of like the, the main four avatar group and then like whatever character comes up we'll get like a sentence or two if they're relevant um, yeah so <laughs> there's a lot of characters in this one that are recurring <laughs> yeah so obviously the main character is Korra it is her legend <laughs> <laughs> the new Akbar, um I I really like Korra. Um mm-hmm. and I like that she does really feel like a like especially once you get past season one, I really like that they set her up to be a very different kind of avatar than Aang was. Mm-hmm. And particularly in the sense of like the bending comes so easily to her, but the spiritual side of it doesn't at all. And it was kind of the other way around for Aang. Yeah. I I had a lot of issue with the bending <laughs> um, development on Korra. But, like, it's just, again, that's fully season one's fault, mm-hmm. uh, which I we will get into once we start talking about the actual seasons. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I really, I really like Korra. She's fun. It's just... I think all of the characters, you really need to wait a season before you can really have an opinion on them. Yeah. Because season one was so <laughs> fucking bad. Um, and, like, obviously, I'm not alone in this call saying it, but I do feel bad saying it. <laughs> Either way. Uh, 
but yeah, who was the second introduced? I think Mako and Bolin were like around the same t- because like they're kind of essentially yeah they a pair. I think she technically meets Bolin first. Okay, good. And <laughs> we'll ease our way into the Mako of it all. <laughs> Bolin's the best character in Legend of Korra. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Because when I started watching The Legend of Korra when it first came out, I think we were watching it together, Tegan, weren't we? And then we, like, Mm -hmm. stopped. (laughs) But I remember people had such strong opinions about Bolin. It was either, like, they loved him or they hated him. And now I feel like people have kind of... I don't know. It's just interesting to see how people's opinions have changed throughout the years. But, yeah, I, I think Bolin... He's he's I like him. He's a good character. Um, I I don't understand mm-hmm. the extreme where the extreme hate comes from, but <laughs> no. no, I don't. I mean, it's like similar in personality wise too. It's very similar to like Sokka. Like mm-hmm. how how can you hate Sokka? Mm-hmm. I I don't. I, Bolin is my favorite character. Bolin's um, really good. I love Bolin. <laughs> he's so sweet (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) he's like a kid I really like him Um, then we have Olin is an earthbender then we have his older brother Mako who is a firebender Um, I believe their mother was a firebender and their dad was an earthbender Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly Um, again you really and to bare knuckle grip your way through season one, so I I don't remember a lot of it. Uh, and this is probably maybe my hottest take for this series, but it's just like Mako sucks. I hate Mako. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big fan of Mako when this show start- first started, um, <laughs> and he gets worse. I will, <laughs> sadly. Um, I don't know, because again, I just tend to latch onto the older sibling characters. Um. <laughs> well, and I will like, I'll say I didn't completely hate him by the end, and we'll get into that when we talk about season yeah. four. But, <laughs> but for the vast majority of this series, I was just not interested when Mako was on screen. <laughs> Mako, unfortunately, was a vehicle for a lot of the worst plot lines that Korra had to go through. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's of no fault to his character because at that point he wasn't a character. He was, for a lot of it, mainly just a plot device. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, a plot device for shitty tropes. Love triangles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then a standout. Um, just like the best fucking character of <laughs> any written media. Uh, Asami. Asami's so she's good. Great. Asami. Yeah, she's so fucking cool. Oh my god. <laughs> so Asami is a non-bender. And um, in this time setting that Korra is, it's kind of like up in the air. 20s like steam power technology kind of mm-hmm. era-ish. So Asami is like a non-bender um, on Team Avatar, which like 
always it's always great to see how they handle that. Um, Sokka was used as comedic relief, and Asami is just fully the coolest fucking person <laughs> on earth. So, um, she is the daughter of a very um, influential inventor, so she has access to a lot of um, cool machinery, and she's very rich. And that's kind of her character through season one. And then, uh, I don't know if this is spoilers. This happens after the show either way. Um, because Nickelodeon throttled this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to death. But she is canonically um, Cora's girlfriend by the end of the show. So Yes. They've like very vaguely hinted at it throughout the last season. Mm-hmm. But like very vaguely because Nickelodeon was like, mm, we can't know no, that. No. <laughs> Same company that just fucking released SpongeBob Gay <laughs> this year for funsies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they couldn't even be like two by queens. <laughs> we support them. They were like, I guess they can hold hands in the last they four seconds. <laughs> Ripped those Makora butt. <laughs> Never fucking popped. Uh. Okay. And that's like just the main four that you need to know of. There's a couple yeah, other main we'll, characters that hold we'll talk on varying we levels. Yeah. Um, if they're all relevant to the plot lines, I'm sure Varric is going to come up, but I don't want to talk about Varric <laughs> more than we have to. <laughs> so <laughs> um, let's just get into season one because I have like a lot of thoughts on season one. Yeah. So. Season one suffers from a number of glaring issues, which mm-hmm. a lot of which essentially come down to Nickelodeon bullshit, which is what a lot of the issues across this whole series come down to. Yeah. But it's especially obvious in season one, um, where they're kind of trying to do all this setup and tell a complete story in one season because they didn't know if they would be able to do more mm-hmm. and it's just it's just bad yeah yeah the pacing is especially the pa- <laughs> like once i got to the last few episodes of season one i could like go through it easily but mm-hmm. getting there there's just up until the very last episode it hurts there's just <laughs> fully like there are 12 episodes of season one and the first 10, like nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to run down each and every one of us and us to admit what our biggest issue that we kind of had to deal with as through the hurdle of season one, <laughs> because I've, like, obviously, I think you've already stated that yours is, like, the pacing. Oh, that's not my biggest issue. That's just okay. the most obvious <laughs> issue. <laughs> what was the hardest for you to get through? I think there's a lot, but I think <laughs> it's either, like, just the shitty love triangle. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or okay. also just that, like, Amon just sucks as a villain. <laughs> okay. Like, like not 
Amon is just fully not interesting to me and also ruins a lot of the coolest lore from the original series. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hmm. I'm sensing a trend that's going to be apparent very soon. <laughs> um, my biggest issue, I think, was obviously the love triangle. I think it was born off of them misunderstanding why so many people liked the original series. Like, if you're going to examine just certain parts of the fandom, of course, you're just going to find, like, shipping drama. That's not why Avatar was good. Mm-mm. It was because people were fighting over who... I don't I don't know. I didn't really, like, ship anybody well, in I, Avatar. I don't think it's anything to do with that. I think it's fully they were like, these characters are older, so they have to have shipping no, exactly. drama. And that's what I think it's born from. They're like, okay, so people were really invested in, like, the fucking Katara Aang or Katara Zuko thing, so why don't we make them all old- older so that's an actual plot point? And, like, I don't want to watch that. No, yeah. I don't come to media to watch that. Um, and also, I had a lot of issue with the fact that Korra essentially had mastered three of the four elements by the time the show started. I was okay because, with that oh. because it's like, like, if Aang hadn't gone into the iceberg, he would have mastered all of them by her age. Mm-hmm. Well, and he did master all of, of them earlier. Than... <laughs> yeah, but... a lot of my enjoyment was being along for the journey through that, and we didn't get to see any of that. Like, we didn't even get to see that for the for her learning how to airbend. That was just fully by chance that, you, that she was yeah, able to do that fair. those are my biggest issues um uh, very... well yes the shitty love triangle i agree that was painful, it was so <laughs> painful. it's it's awful I, just, I, I don't know why like and then i also kind of had an issue with the way asami and koro were kind of pitted against each other which goes back to the love triangle but mm. and I like how as the seasons progressed that changed. But it was very much kind of falling into that stereotypical a strong girl is X, Y, and Z. And I don't know, I I think that Cora became mm. more nuanced and more interesting because she didn't fall into that trope for the rest of the show. Um and exactly. yeah. yeah. And then my other issue was because they're both equally um they both equally annoy me is the fact that it was so obvious kind of like what Josh said that they didn't know whether or not the show would get a second season and so the first season was just so like they didn't do enough and then they did too much at the same time like did too much of the bad things and did Mm. too little of the good things and so yeah that was my biggest my biggest issues yeah, it really, like, you can really tell they didn't know what story they were trying to tell in season yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, so immediately <laughs> changed as soon as season two hits. It's I, astounding. And I do want to come back to Amon for a second, just because... Oh, absolutely, yes. It's So it's worth noting that it's, like, and this is, like, explicitly addressed in the show, that, like, all of the main villains are essentially a political ideology taken too far. Yeah. yeah. And so Amon is like eugenics and just like the shittiest fucking take on communism. <laughs> like, 
I he's so badly written too. I just I don't. Well, and they also just a bloodbender. All of them are like spoiler alert, but like in a way that doesn't make any sense and actively ruins both the taking away bending lore and the bloodbending lore. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I I so desperately want to talk about him on one. His fucking politics suck. Um, he is not the first ever. Oh, he's not even a non-bender. But like, his fucking like for the people persona is not the first non-bender living in a world with benders. It has been like that yeah. since <laughs> canonically, as Legend of Korra has stated, since mankind <laughs> there have been people who could bend living with people who exactly. cannot. And this is not the first time that power has been abused. We've seen that in Avatar. So, but it's also just—it's weird that this is happening now, just because like Republic City is a thing. Like Republic City is like the first city with like the idea of like every type of bender living with non-benders. But that does not mean that that's the only way that you can create people that fear due to their status of not being able to bend an element, you know? Yeah, well, and it's also just, like... It's just, I I can't even exactly describe how shitty of a take it is, but it's just, like... It's so bad. It makes no fucking sense. It's the equivalent of, like, in real life, if somebody was, like, people with a high IQ shouldn't be allowed to live because it makes us <laughs> who can't do the things they can do yeah. look bad. <laughs> So I guess I'll just There's forcibly lobotomize people, them. People who are like naturally good at art or whatever, like yeah, <laughs> they suck. The rest of us hate them. It's like me saying I cannot do a backflip, so anybody that can will be subjected to me permanently uh, severing the connection from their <laughs> brain to their legs, so that they cannot walk. Because it's like they didn't choose to be benders. That- biggest thing no. it's like they are born with that and that is the world you live in and he's also like he's like benders have power over us and like your president is a non-bender and then just like all of this just to find out that he is a power hungry bender himself yeah. yes okay yeah the fucking so first of all this show went too fucking wild with specialized bending. <laughs> yes. I don't... Like, there were, like, three depicted bloodbenders on screen just in season yeah. one. Um, when previously it was literally I, just Hama and Katara. And Katara not yeah. by choice, really. Exactly. And, like, with Hama... Because Hama was the creator yeah. of bloodbending, Katara... Like she absolutely fucking died by the hand of the villagers that she <laughs> was manipulating all the yeah. for all that time. And Katara actively chose not to use it or pass down the technique. Yeah, and then in Korra so, they were just like, Yeah, a bunch of people have it, but Aang made it illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Makes no fucking sense. Um <laughs> This is not like a power that people would just be gifted by the spirits like airbending in the later season. No, exactly. And that's <laughs> you don't they try to make it seem like it's like a genetic bend. thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's 
And they do the same. They do the same thing with metal bending. Exactly. Where it was like this big thing, and now it's just like, yeah, half of the Earthbenders can do it. Exactly. But that's for later seasons. Well, no, Um, it starts right away in season one. They're like every single cop. The whole police force. God. But like the bloodbending issue is so bad too because I think it would be interesting instead if he was an actual non-bender and he had developed some kind of like fucking um, Captain America super serum that allowed him to remove bending like tapping because Aang was able to do it because he went into the Avastar state which is directly related to the spirit Yeah because he got taught by a big turtle. Uh, yeah. So like Maybe this dude kind of like instead of being a bender was able to be a non-bender who could connect to the spirit world and access that. That would be more yeah. interesting. It would make more sense. But instead he's a bloodbender who is using bloodbending to block somebody's access to their own bending, yeah. which is not explained. They like throw <laughs> away like, some like <laughs> yeah. Blood clot, but it doesn't kill you. You just can't shoot fire anymore. I can no longer uh, throw rocks with my brain. <laughs> like it just—it doesn't make any sense, and it's no, also just it's not a good, a bad take. Uh, <laughs> like it is, and then like, because once you find that out, it's like okay, well, Cora's the fucking avatar. Obviously, like it's not going to mean shit to her anymore. I'm not worried. Right. I'm not fucking worried. And then, so what happens, like, this whole first season, she's desperately trying to learn how to airbend, and she can't get it, because she's not, like, Korra is not Aang. She is not delicate. She is fully brash, and, like, um, just planted firmly on, she, like, acts so much more like an earthbender than a waterbender, um, quite honestly, (laughs) which is weird characterization, but, like, I'm I'm not gonna, I think it's purposeful because of the whole thing I think they did that on purpose because of the whole theory that like um I can't remember her name the girl in the original series who turns into the moon was supposed to be the next avatar because the spirit world thought Aang had died so then Korra is the next avatar but the next avatar sort of should be an earthbender by now oh so i think that's like purposeful okay i've never heard that theory so i really yeah that like yeah like i'm not i'm not too hung up because again i like no yeah i'm not too hung up on her personality but um it's just i'm just so pissed that the way that because she spent this whole season I mean, she didn't spend the whole fucking season. She spent more of the season playing fucking professional bending, <laughs> which doesn't come up again. Um, it's a whole fucking season, and then it's nothing. And I re- it was really interesting. I liked the thought of it. It was great world building. We should not have spent so much time on it. We should not have had the Avatar on a pro bending team. <laughs> no, I- <laughs> They should have immediately nipped that it's in like, the mud. It's like, no, Tenzin's right. That's... You should not be allowed to do that, Cora. Yeah. But, like, so the way that she gets her airbending is because Amon bloodbends her to block access to all her bending, but I guess because she couldn't airbend before, that's all she has now. Which doesn't make sense, because if he just blocks off 
her ability to bend. I don't think one of them's going to slip through the cracks because she refused to learn how to bend it properly. You know? <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, that's how she gets airbending. It's just, season one's just weird and bad. <laughs> and then I think either that episode or the first episode of season two. Yeah, the first fucking episode of season two. She gets all of her other bending back. Again. Blood cut yeah. down. So it, that's not... A, yeah, like just fully not a consequence yeah. she deals with at all. I also nope. feel that by making blood bending and metal bending so just so accessible to the rest of the fucking population, I feel like it makes Korra it kind of takes away from the the strength and the mystery and power of the avatar because those are supposed to be really difficult mm. techniques. And and it's yeah. just like okay, well, no, actually, all cops can do it, and so can Mon. <laughs> yeah, well, and it it also really diminishes the strength of Toph and yes. Katara because they developed it mm-hmm. when they were children. Because it's, it's like, yeah, it's like it's like exactly. no, they're not actually special and different. <laughs> like, like I will fully accept that Toph's two shitty daughters can metal bend. That seems like something that's just like brute force enough for the baseball. No, yeah, to but it, get. like, but outside of those, but a two, whole fucking city and the entire police force. By the yeah, <laughs> what is going on? Because uh, like again. Like, it just decreases the impact of any specialty bending. Like, Mako can fucking lightning bend. He barely does it. Yeah. And it's still, like, it's so casual when he does. Right. That it just... He's, I think, the only other fucking person we see ever do it, like, within Korra. I don't think I remember a single other person that lightning bends. And it doesn't come up. No, they just don't like, address it, really. Two fucking instant instances and then like <laughs> that's it yeah. and again like this lightning bending was a technique that was so difficult that like Zuko could only learn how to let lightning pass through him he exactly like manipulate it and this fucker is just doing it for funsies so much that he doesn't even fucking like use it half the time yeah and, like, I can understand if it's, like, it's too hard to control. I only use it when, like, I absolutely have to. But he never says that. There's never a situation where it's, like, pointed out that he is using it in a fight because this is a very dangerous fight. He's only firebending in fights. No, exactly. Like, it's just, what was the point? Wouldn't it have been better if he couldn't do that and then the whole lava bending thing would have made Bolin stand out even more. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, that's a lot later, the lava bending, but that's like, yeah, really cool. And also touches on an interesting thing because lava is kind of earth and fire. Mm-hmm. But, um, but again, that's a and couple even, seasons and later. even that they're like, can do it yeah, and they like, never whatever. address it again. <laughs> no. So, um, um, season two, because we've kind of yeah. jumped right into it after the whole bloodbending nightmare. Uh, still has its issues, but it is 
such a drastic improvement in every single way. (laughs) Season two deals with the um, spirit world, which Korra has so far um, not been able to access at all. Yeah. I really like it. Um, It's really good. (laughs) Uh, The main villain is uh, Tanrak, who is her Her uncle. uncle. Um, And he essentially represents like a dictator type person. Specifically Mm -hmm. the type of dictator who pushes for like cultural unity and stuff like that. Um, and he's much better handled than Amon was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. He still sucks, but like in a way that's well written. <laughs> he's by far from the best villain. Um, I think season three really had the best, but <laughs> at least he's not Amon. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't have much really to say about season two. Not a lot happens because a good portion of the middle of it is the story of Juan, the first ever Avatar. Yeah, which is. I've seen a lot of like very mixed opinions about that section, but mm. I, re- I really liked it. Yeah. I genuinely liked Juan a lot. Um, it's just this is Legend of Korra. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I think I liked it because it did at least help make the Avatar a little more special again after they took so much away with the metal oh, bending exactly. and blood bending being so common. Because Juan was not a bender at all. He was born mm-hmm. a non-bender and became the first Avatar. And that's really cool. He, I really liked his story. Yeah. Again, I would have I would have watched a whole series about Juan. <laughs> um, but we've kind of got his whole life story in this yeah. little. Um, but this is also a very good season for um, Tenzin, who is Aang's son. Yes. One of Aang's sons. Yes. Aang had three children, yeah. and I don't like what they did to Aang. Um, I wasn't like, yeah, I wasn't like a big Aang fan like you were. Uh, but I did love Aang quite a lot. And the implication that Aang is a bad dad was wild <laughs> to me. Like, I get Aang was very much like I have to uphold the traditions of the airbenders because I am the last one. I don't I don't think that would mean him ignoring his first two children because they were yeah. not airbenders. He's, and it it just yeah. oof, sorry you guys. <laughs> he's he he's the avatar. He no, yeah, go ahead. For every single element, especially considering we go through the whole show mm-hmm. him learning mm-hmm. how to master them. So it just to me it doesn't make sense. That he would be like, he would like ignore his other two kids because they're not airbenders. And also, I feel like because they were trying to make the show kind of age it up for 
for the viewers who had watched Avatar The Last Airbender when they were kids, I feel that they added these plot points in order to appeal to this older audience, which is, you know, making Aang a bad dad. And I don't, like, that's not necessary to make a show interesting to people of all ages. No, exactly. No, exactly. And it's just... It just it's just weird. It's so it seems yeah. so out of character. It does like <laughs> and also since like he his wife was a waterbender, you'd think he would like spend time with his daughter who's a waterbender. And like one of his best friends was the strongest fucking um non-bender <laughs> <laughs> like imaginable. Like he like fully learned like several different disciplines of sword fighting at the very least of his accomplishments. No, yeah. And later in Korra we find out he was like a founding council member of Republic City's government. The fact that he would so severely write off his first son for not being a bender at all. Yeah. Which is also <laughs> I <laughs> It's stupid. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> also, I want to briefly discuss, like, we get to see almost everyone from the original series again, from the main group, mm-hmm. except Aang, obviously, mm-hmm. because Katara, or Korra would not be able to be alive if Aang still was. Yeah. And then... As a requirement for um, new Avatar, Aang has to be And then dead, also Sokka, who we straight up yeah. just don't know where he is. Nobody ever mentions him once. Nope. There's literally not a single, like, mention of Sokka in this whole series, and I'm, for one, pissed. (laughs) Like, Katara is there for, like, a lot of Katara is there. Toph gets a very important role in season four. Yeah. We even see Zuko, like, like, He's a super old fucking man. (laughs) Uncle Iroh. Has more screen time <laughs> than Sokka does. Because Sokka has none. Like, he's in a flashback. A flashback, too. He's like... in a flashback in season one, and that's all we get of Sokka. There's no, like, I think Katara might, like, make an offhand mention. She's like, oh, my brother is dead. I don't have the chance to, like, repair my family. To, like, either Korra's dad, who is the exiled former <laughs> um, heir to the Northern Water Tribe or like Tenzin <laughs> because he's he has like all these f- also like hey what the fuck was uh, Katara doing when Aang was being a bad dad right. <laughs> because I'm sure as hell she would not have let that fly well, and it's also weird because their their daughter Kia who is a waterbender seems like the most fully removed from the family so i was like so did katara also just be like nah <laughs> fuck them kids <laughs> like, <laughs> i'm simply too busy <laughs> like what like i just it's bizarre wait i understand I them wanting to like make an interesting family dynamic there and i can understand I think my biggest issue with it is that they played it up as like Aang is a bad dad and I they could have still had like he paid more attention to Tenzin without actively yeah. being like 
he was a shitty dad to us. Exactly. They could have been like, he was a great dad, but we don't have the relationship you have with him. And like that just just that slight difference would have made me appreciate it that much more. Yeah. It would have made exactly. (laughs) And again, like what the fuck was Katara doing this whole time? It like the show, like it's so it feels like it establishes like Aang and Katara were endgame. They had these children, but they never once like pay attention to that fact. It's like they'd rather play with the children that were created from it and not like the whole dynamic of Yeah. Aang and Katara were their parents. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. And like I think again, I want to blame the whole like <laughs> Zutara problem um for that. They wanted that to like kind of live on. But like at that point, you're making a fucking choice. Well that you've planted your that's flag probably in that probably is part of why they made weird decisions with it because like the original writers of the series never wanted Aang and Katara Nickelodeon mm. did so I think this might have just been them like okay Nickelodeon here you go they suck their kids hate them yeah <laughs> well it's not even like none of them hate Katara she's no. just like removed from no. the whole idea that but she it's was- still like it feels like the creators being mad (laughs) that they couldn't do the ship they wanted so they're just like okay Nickelodeon Aang's a bad dad now happy (laughs) (laughs) and And nobody was (laughs) but like that's kind of the extent of what happens in season 2 we kind of get this development Um, Korra reopens uh, the spirit portals she was kind of removed from the spirits that made the avatars the avatar and so that severed her connection to the past avatars which means we don't get any ang content past that no yeah which sucks um um so but whatever and also makes it so there are wild elemental spirits in the world so mm-hmm. which becomes important going into season three where a bunch of people are just airbenders now Yep. Um, so, I guess they wanted to speed up both the re- repopulation of the Air Nation and get farther away from um, the prior four-child evidence that <laughs> Tenzin fucks. <laughs> Tenzin fucks, and he fucks a lot. <laughs> and he, he has four fucking has kids. a 100% airbender <laughs> creation success rate. Yep. Mm-hmm. Much to his wife's Ten- dismay. <laughs> Tenzin is fucking virile as all hell. And we need to ignore this <laughs> right now. <laughs> we cannot. Um, the writers are like, oh fuck. We made Tenzin so incredibly powerful. So season three, we have several new airbenders. And the first portion of season three is just them going around to collect them, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um. Season three might be my favorite season of Korra. Yeah, it's mine as well. Um, <laughs> um, there's just a lot. Despite what you may think. <laughs> there's just a lot going for it. It's so fun. 
Um, I remember I stopped during season one, and I'm like, oh, Cora's still going? I'll try to pick it up. And then I got into season three. I'm like, what the fuck? Airbenders. And I stopped watching, officially. <laughs> which was a mistake, because... Season three... What the fuck? Airbenders was so fucking good. Story-wise and, like, writing-wise, season three feels... Like, if I were to just turn on a season randomly, season three is the one where I would be like, oh, this is a sequel mm-hmm. to The Last Airbender. Mm. It feels the most like the original series. And it's so unique because Korra is dealing... She's actually, like, avataring in a way that we haven't seen her in a while, which is she is not, like... A lot of this season is not spent fighting a big bad... Like, no, it's they're introduced pretty early it's on. Dealing with small problems this, around the world that only Avatar yeah, can like, deal with. She is helping calm the nerves of people who have overnight gained the ability to airbend and have to like as adults they haven't come into their bending. It hasn't been a slow, gradual process. They have just unlocked the ability to fully airbend at whatever stage of life mm-hmm. they're at. And that comes with specific levels of power output um, <laughs> related to their age. Yeah. So she has to talk a lot of people off. One per- person in particular, literally off the edge, um, and like calm them down and get them two tens, and so that he will help them, uh, like learn mm-hmm. how to deal with this because this is their life now. They can't undo it. Um, and also, because she opened the spirit portal that um, the first ever Avatar had closed, there are spirits in the world now, and Republic City is overrun by spirit vines that they cannot get rid yeah. of. So she has to deal with that and also help introduce a way of life that is cohesive to spirits and humans. Yeah. And it's just... It is such it's a, a really good season. <laughs> um... Let's talk about the villains, because these are my favorite fucking villains of any Avatar series. Um yeah, um <laughs> they're anarchists. Yes. <laughs> is their whole thing. If you want to continue no, yeah, running, just, running down the I'm trying to remember um, their names because I'm I don't know them. They're not fully important. Um they were before uh Cora or no, they were imprisoned while Cora was an infant or like just got announced as the avatar because they were going to kidnap her and um, indoctrinate her into their way of thinking so that um, there would be total chaos and, uh, in their minds, equality based out of that. Because they're like, we don't need the Avatar. We're too far advanced as a society. Yeah, We can... Get... And that's... I mean, like, the Avatar doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we've got... You can keep the Avatar, but... These villains are really well done, and we also get to just see something that they have actively thrown away a lot in this series, and we get to see people using bending in unique ways and actually having that stay unique, mm-hmm. mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... so Zaheer is the main bad guy in this season. That's his name. He yes. is an airbender. He is one of the individuals who yes. got airbending from the spirit portal. So originally he was a non-bender. And now he is an airbender. And, and he can fly. He is, <laughs> yeah, he um, got so good at airbending over the course of, I believe this was a couple months is how long they were doing this. 
um, shit for, <laughs> which is wild. He got airbending and then got so good at it. That would be my he first learned to fly. And not, not, <laughs> <laughs> and not with the gliders or anything. Just straight up fucking fly. And like, I know air so good <laughs> that I don't need ground ever. Um, so, then we have his crew of people. One of them is just a very cool waterbender, not like yes. gimmicks or anything. She's just very good at waterbending, and <laughs> I really like her. Um, it's I know Avatar, like it has more representation than most shows do but there's not like outside of Toph there's not a lot of other application for like bending mm-hmm. with like uh just dis- like in conjunction with disabilities yeah. um this woman has no arms so most of her bending she'll just bend water yeah. in the place of her arms yeah. I think that's very cool um again like I'm not an amputee so I can't really speak to how accurate this is or how like thoughtful this portrayal is but um i do really like that yeah. like it, again i there would be more like like how toff used earth bending to sense and like see it's like, it's, the world around her it's interesting to show how people can use bending to deal with other limitations of theirs and like the show like so much could have been done with that but yeah. um other than that she's just a regular airbender or waterbender she's very good at bending water exactly yeah <laughs> then we have a an earthbender who can lava bend yep our first introduction of lava bending for the um mainline series as a yes. whole and then um Te- technically the second lava bending we've seen because Avatar Roku the... did it. Oh, he did. That's right. That's right. Okay, but it's um... the first non-Avatar we've seen do it. Mm-hmm. And then the last woman, Zaheer's... Uh, I think I think he does propose to her during the course of the season. <laughs> um, <laughs> A fun thing. The to, presumed to, um, dependent of Sparky Sparky Boom Man. <laughs> yeah, that dude who just kind of disappeared. <laughs> After being sent to assassinate she gang. Fire out of eye on her forehead. She's sick exactly. as hell. <laughs> I love all four of these people. They're so fucking insane. Um, yeah. Incredibly cool. I love them. <laughs> Genuinely Zaheer infiltrating the uh, the air temple as a new coming airbender was the first moment where I was like, oh fuck, something bad is going to happen in this show (laughs) this is season three (laughs) well it's also like i think these villains are super effective because they're anarchists and they really don't Mm -hmm. have like a huge goal they are literally just like i am (laughs) going to cause problems on purpose and there's nothing anybody can do about it because i can shoot fire out of my forehead (laughs) <laughs> they also lead to their whole thing leads to a lot of issue I have with Korra in season 4 um, they to get to their end goal they poison her so that she'll enter the avatar state so they can permanently kill her and end the avatar cycle mm-hmm. uh, I mean like it, it obviously doesn't work No, <laughs> but 
this whole season was so good. The stakes felt really real. Um, they had managed to capture every single airbender on the airbender temple <laughs> um, and use them as bargaining tools. They they felt real. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it was a great vehicle for Bolin character development. Bolin um, in season two, season three has been trying to metal bend and everyone's like come on it's not that hard you can do it everyone can do it which again no top was the first one to ever metal bend right and that was she's still alive so i don't think that everyone can do it because <laughs> she wasn't the first ever air like earthbender no yeah um <laughs> um bowen actually is able to lava bend i love bowen it's so yeah. great um <laughs> He's able to rescue Tenzin and um, a couple other people because he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to bend this lava. Good for him. Um, and this all leads to season four. Um, and I liked season four, but it, I didn't like it as much as season three. No. Um, um, so there's a significant time gap here talking about yeah it's three years (laughs) um so season three season four kind of opens with it's three years later and cora has been gone she's been Mm -hmm. at the south pole with katara trying to heal and from the poison from the poisons and also just trauma um, and I really liked Korra's arc in this season. Um, I think there's some ways they could have handled it better, but overall, I it's really the first time we really see Korra vulnerable in the mm. series, and I think that we, I think that was necessary. It happened a little late, quite honestly. Oh, it definitely did, but. Because at this point, we'd established Korra and, like, her capabilities. But I'm glad it happened. hmm It just, I don't know. It felt very weird because it was the end of the show as well. I'm like, well, we're not going to be able to see, yeah. like, a full-length growth from this. Um, but it had to happen. Like, again, the show was getting to its stride. It really, it didn't know what it was. So No, and I... Again, I don't know that they knew this was their last season. Mm. Um, But this is I think season four has the most believable villain. Yeah. Um, We've kind of gotten close to living through something similar. (laughs) Season four's villain is Kuvira who we were briefly introduced to in season three and in this three-year mm-hmm. gap, she has become a full-on fascist, fascist. trying to <laughs> unite the Earth Kingdom and make it her Earth Empire. I was personally very upset that she was the villain. Um, I thought she was going to be a main character, like, ally when she was introduced. And um, 
I was very excited for that, but she is fully the villain, and also, like, Bolin is involved in this ideology for the big... Yes. The choices made for these characters during the time skips is very weird. Like, Mako became a cop. Well, Mako, Mako was in cop school as early as season two. Exactly. But, I'm not liking it. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, um. I will... <laughs> season four is Mako's only good arc, where he is forced yeah. to be a bodyguard for Prince Wu, who is just <laughs> a stupid twink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> Mako and Prince Wu endgame. <laughs> yeah, honestly. like I'm very happy for Korra and Asami. I think this Mako and Wu dynamic is so funny, and I would like to see them in so love. funny? <laughs> It's incredibly funny. Um, God, and like, this is saying so much about the fact that Mako has been involved quite heavily in a lot of the mainstay plot lines for season two and three, and we do we have not mentioned him because his role is Korra's boyfriend, um, who is a shitty boyfriend. Um, they break up. He kisses his ex Asami. <laughs> And then when Korra gets amnesia, oh he lies about yeah. the fact that she broke up with him. Mm-hmm. He just sucks. So, like, people who hate Mako have a reason. <laughs> he was awful. He was genuinely awful. And the fact that they gave him, like, like an adult child to babysit. It's what he deserves. Um, yeah, he absolutely <laughs> ha- Like, he needed this. I was, like, fully... Season one, I'm like, ah, oh, people really give Mako a bad name. I can't imagine hating him. And then as soon as, <laughs> like, the season two, like, he was fully dating Asami. Confessed he loved Korra. We didn't get any resolution with Mako and Asami. No. Um, we didn't see a breakup or anything. We didn't see how she took it. Um, and then, like, he was dating Korra. They broke up. He lied about them breaking up, so he continued to date Korra, but still string Asami along. I'm like, man, Mako sucks. And then immediately, season four hits. It's been three years, and he is a glorified babysitter. <laughs> of, like, an act, like, a king. <laughs> Full th- yeah, full-time yeah. babysitter of somebody his own age. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very funny. So- it's, a, it's just... It's such a funny dynamic. Fast. Yes. Um, it's amazing how fast that redemption happened <laughs> for me. They're like, Korra and Asami are both just <laughs> like, for fuck off, Mako. I'm not dealing with yeah. you anymore. Well, I, We're, we will be it's friends. It's so funny, too. I, I <laughs> and that's really yeah, exactly. that what kissed. he deserves. Like, I, was, I hadn't watched the first season in so long, and so... <laughs> yeah, it's just... <laughs> Um, there's also one other thing besides finally being able to see two other things actually besides finally being able to see Korra vulnerable that I like about season four uh, one of those is Toph just because <laughs> she is a very old woman and has not changed in the slightest no. <laughs> <laughs> my darling little girl just, um. just as her just as she taught Aang earthbending, she is very aggressively trying to make Korra feel better. And like the She's most like, 
horrible way. It's hilarious. Yeah, she's like, she's like, just don't be sick. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Have you considered? Have you considered not being poisoned? <laughs> <laughs> she's so funny. Um, and like I will say, I love Toph. She was my favorite from season one. Absolutely, yeah. the right choice to make her the bad parent. Yeah, she because she would be. <laughs> Toph would suck as a mom. Absolutely, you did that right. She would not be a cop. Here, I've justified the cop thing by like, she did that to cover her own crimes. That's the only way I can make sense of it. She's like, the lie can't break it. <laughs> Toph was fully embezzling this whole time. <laughs> And it's just, and then I mean, she did that- do that to cover up her daughter um, being involved in a bank heist. So, well, then, and then she immediately quit. Mm. She's like, she's like, to live in the swamp. She's like, hold on, I'm going to make my daughters hate each other <laughs> and then fuck off for 60 years. <laughs> and, like, again, this is the only one of the main, like, Avatar gang that I could see doing this. No, it, that was fully in it's all. I loved Toph in this season because yeah, she's just everything that That's we learn tough. is like yeah that that all tracks. That's Toph. <laughs> Toph, my daughter Toph. Um, and then I also really liked we get Tenzin's children going looking for Korra, mm-hmm. and I just. I love, I those, love kids. those kids. Their dynamic is really fun, and it's also like they are like the age that the original crew was in the original series. And I like that journey is more fun to follow than a bunch of angsty young adults. <laughs> they are just siblings, and they will fight. <laughs> yeah, like um, they are. The like, <laughs> they're just so cute. Um, <laughs> I am really glad they like redeemed Milo. Um, he was really fucking annoying as a child. Yeah, but uh, and he still like, is a little bit, but in a way that's like, that's like, this is my preteen brother. Yeah, and he's not just fart. Uh, <laughs> so like, I'm glad that he had like a personality. No, yeah. Um, and then again, I, I think the villain was well done for this season (laughs) as much as Tegan personally hates to see it. Yeah. She's just so pretty. Um, (laughs) listen, I understand, um, Sulin's son's whole deal i also would <laughs> leave my family for kavir <laughs> um and i Whatever. think i think as far as like the world they've built and stuff kuvira makes kuvira both most realistically makes the most sense as a villain but also with everything that's happened the power mm-hmm. vacuum that's been left um it's but it's so good um yeah (laughs) there are times where it's like a little too realistic and i'm like i don't want to think about it 
<laughs> I'm glad it ended with a giant mech fight. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. I'm also upset at this show for giving me um, General Iroh and then not doing anything yeah. with him. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm fully ready to admit I would have risked it all for General Iroh. <laughs> um, I would have sat I through we garbage. Risked it all for General Iroh. <laughs> <laughs> like, the first thing that gets... He was introduced in what, season two? Season one. Um, yeah, he was season one. going to help Korra with um, the Water Tribe Civil War. Um, that was happening during the whole spirit thing, but yeah. again, it wasn't, it wasn't really a big it's, thing. It's a reoccurring thing, because season one, he's going to help them fight the Equalists and oh, walk right. off without him. And then season two, he's going to help with the issue with the water tribes, and then they fuck off without him. And and then season four, um, he's like, I'm ready to fight alongside the Avatar to defend Republic City from Kavira and her fascist army. And they're like, well, she's here early. <laughs> and then they fuck off without him. <laughs> yep. No, exactly. I guess they couldn't pay. I guess they couldn't pay Dante. Dante Basco, uh, Bosco for more than a few lines Probably. this season. <laughs> so <laughs> that's probably what happened. But um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, yeah. And it's. Yeah. Why? Waste potential. Because <laughs> Zuko was a lot of people's favorite character. And when you're trying to appeal to the older kids who liked Avatar. You absolutely have to appeal to the Zuko fuckers. Yeah, and this is Zuko's and, sexy son. Who yeah. happens to have the exact same voice. And <laughs> do you, you dangle him in front of our face. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, actually, he doesn't do anything. Like, we didn't even see him fight. We just saw him stand on a ship. Yep. A couple times, but that's all he did. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunate. I would have liked to see more of him. But again, we did get Bolin, um, who has gone through quite a journey. Um, <laughs> he was a pro bender. Uh, and then he was <laughs> the younger brother of a rich girl's boy toy. <laughs> um, actor. A full on movie star. Famous him. Um, Professional himbo. Yeah, I mean, like, that's kind of the whole thing throughout the yeah, series. But... <laughs> um, unwitting. <laughs> unwitting fascist, unfortunately. Yeah. But it, in a way, did feel in line with this character because the second he realized what was actually going on, he was yeah. like, oh, fuck, no, I'm out. <laughs> He's like, I've got a dessert. <laughs> Hold on. But it's just, that's the main takeaway. Bolin's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's the main takeaway of the whole show um, once they stop using Bolin as like the sad half of a second rate love triangle in conjunction to their main love triangle and they're like hey he's a character like even as soon as season two where he accidentally got engaged to Cora's cousin voiced by Aubrey Plaza yeah <laughs> which just fully 
I just she opened her mouth and I was like, "Hello." It took me out. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck?" In my avatar. Um. um legend of Cora, more like legend of if Bowen's not on screen, I sleep. Yeah. It. Re- okay, and also I want to talk about that fucking filler episode that is like. Bad. Are you? Ta- I know that you're talking about no, the yeah. recap episode. Because. They do this in anime a lot. Um, I can handle, like, certain types of filler. Like, if it's an actual original storyline, like a beach episode, it's fucking whatever. Like, we get to have fun. If it's just fully, like, a few new scenes and then people just telling me what I've already saw. Yeah. I skip that episode. I fully skip that episode. No, I did. That episode is literally only there because Nickelodeon was like, yeah, fuck you. We're not getting you. No. to animate new stuff this season so i can't imagine we'll have watching this as it was airing stuff that we already aired yeah i can't imagine waiting a fucking week to see the new episode and it's just this yeah oh god and we donn't even get like just fun, like a like... few episodes before the grand finale too mm-hmm. like major things happened right before and right after it, it, like, it, it... <laughs> we are on a boat with Varric, who sucks, and we will mm-hmm. recap things that we just saw because this show's not very long. No, it each season's like thirteen episodes at the most. So <laughs> that's another thing I wanted to briefly touch on is it's one of the biggest flaws of Korra is its length. Mm-hmm. Um, just in that. Like, this is four seasons. The original series is three. The original series has more episodes and is therefore a lot more successful just in terms mm. of character development and stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. There was a lot more regular main characters in Korra as well. We got the whole Tenzin family regularly on screen. Yeah. And we saw their character development as well. Trying to and then too many things and yeah. And I also again I I do understand a lot of my issues. With the chorus stem from Nickelodeon and not the actual showrunners. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the showrunners never knew if they were actually going to like be able to continue this. no budget and from what I've read and stuff just like all around shitty communication from the network and it's just just so much bullshit with the network going on behind the Cora that I am genuinely impressed with how good most of it is given Mm. everything (laughs) It really, it got very good once it stopped trying to just be like, we don't know how long we're going. You remember Avatar, right? Exactly. Being like, we don't know how long we're going. It's Korra. This is what she's doing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think, at the end of the day, I can I can say that I did like The Legend of Korra. Oh, absolutely. Um, um if at all possible, if you can 
assuage your um, guilty media viewing conscious enough to skip the whole first season, I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I and I think it's a, like a lot of Cora suffers from the fate that I feel like a lot of things do where on its own it would be considered really good but it's very much overshadowed by its predecessor yeah unfortunately. understandably so because <laughs> you just can't yeah <laughs> you just avatar. can't reach the levels of avatar the last airbender it's insane how good that show is yeah so once once you get through like the just weirdness of season one and once you can kind of accept that it's not going to be nearly mm-hmm. the same as the original series it's very enjoyable it's a good show um i do again i really love season two through four so if yeah if at all possible just watch those um <laughs> it's it's a good fucking show after season one yeah like if you can't get through season one just read a summary and watch the rest and you will be yeah. fine yeah. Um, it's it's probably more than you'd have to go through for season one, to be quite <laughs> honest. Um, but that being said, I think that's our general review of Korra. Um, I love Korra. I love that it tried um, for some representation. Um, yeah. As- Asami was so good. Like, sh- they didn't have her do nearly enough, in my opinion. Um, because it has been no. depicted that she was able to hold her own quite um, handedly against Benders. Yeah, and but... I, th- I think that's just a lot of characters didn't get to do enough because exactly. they were trying to balance too much. So many fucking characters. Um, <laughs> but Cora bit off a lot, and it did get through quite an quite a lot of the goals that it set out for. But it could have been really great if it scaled back a little bit. I, yeah, I would agree with that. But if nothing else, please watch season three. <laughs> yes. Season, season three, three is definitely so the best season, but two, three, and four are all solid. Cora is good. Watch it, I guess, is the gist. Um, <laughs> follow us on Twitter. We're at Dump Binge Binge. Tweet out a donation or petition link with every episode. Just um, relating to Black Lives Matter. Um, Black Lives haven't stopped mattering, so... We're going to continue to do this until um, we run out of new things to add, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Join us for our next episode where we will be talking about Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Um, An undetermined amount of Bob's Burgers. But but specifically focusing on Thanksgiving episodes because that is the... Week our episode will be in, and <laughs> Bob's Burgers is very is very known for unique in that it has very makes a very big memorable about yeah. every season. So so <laughs> excited for that. Um, but. Uh-